welcome to the Building Design Primetime Podcast. Focused on providing valuable information for anyone looking to undertake a new build or extension project. We'll share our tips, tricks and stories from a building designer's perspective. Welcome to the Building Design Primetime Podcast. I'm your host, Amelia, and once again, we're joined by Frank Geskus, building designer. Hey, Amelia. How are you? <laughs> Good. How are you? <laughs> I wait for you to come up with some crazy I know, I need, I needed something cleverer and it just didn't happen anyway. <laughs> it's Friday. It is Friday. <laughs> so what are we talking about this week, Amelia? We're going to be talking about stratas and subdivisions and what the difference is. Good question. Real good. And they do come up and lots of customers ask us. So we're going to go, look, we can talk about a few key differences between them, uh, just advantages, disadvantages with each one, and depending on what you want to do. So this is for some people who are the little, you know, little developer, mum and dad developers, or even your professional developers. They may wish to build a unit in the back behind their house. And we've talked about that before, you know, trying to build another unit or a unit for themselves, but you want to separate it from the main house. We'll use this one as an example. Most of those are done stratas. And the reason is because they're a lot simpler and faster to do. And the challenges with strata, though, you've got to set up a body corporate a lot of the times. And you can make them to your advantage as you're the owner and you're selling one part off, so you have better control over those. But that's under the Strata Act. Now, here's a bit of a disclaimer. What we're going we're gonna to talk about, it's based in Tasmania. So it may be different for other states. Strata Acts and subdivision requirements under the Lands and Titles Office could be different in your state. So you need to check some of this stuff. But generally, you want to be a little developer. Um, I've done it myself. Uh, have an existing dwelling, put another unit behind, getting better value out of the property. You strata it to then you can sell it individually. So does that mean that given that you said you have to set up a body corporate, that there is common area? Is that really what that means? That like a shared area? Yeah. Well, not necessarily. It's a bunch of rules that you've got to work by, work in harmony (laughs) with each person and you can imagine you see big unit developments and there might be 50 different people you see them in high rises we're not going to go there but the body corporate is a set of rules and they set up rules for setting up uh, funds to call the sinking fund for maintenance of the common areas Uh, they do reports um, compliance all those types of things but on your average ones like you're just doing one house or two houses on an existing site, uh, they can be relatively simple. And the most common areas use your driveway, fences, a bit of landscaping, uh, the uh, letterbox. So the sinking fund is what you have to invest in every month or whatever. Doesn't It's not a big deal. Okay, not a huge amount of money. There, my phone goes off. Someone wants me. <laughs> <laughs> Good to be needed. Uh, even on a Friday afternoon. I oh, know. Yeah, so it's quite a common thing to do. Um Council's heavily involved, your lawyers are heavily involved, title's office heavily involved. It is by far the fastest way of separating a property off from another property. 
Is it more cost effective as well? In some cases, it definitely is. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Is that because of the timeframes? Timeframes? Well, that's one thing, but it's also sharing of services. So if you have a subdivision, each title has its own water, sewer, stormwater, power, NBN connection. And that's, well, it makes sense that would be an additional cost in but order it, to do that. But in the strata, you could potentially share them. So you could have, I'll just use an example, you might have five dwellings on one title and they're all being stratas. But a normal stormwater connection should be in the capacity range to carry all the stormwater. Same with the sewerage. Water lines have to be upgraded, generally, to meet the requirements for multiple houses. Obviously power, you've got to put in a mains board and then it all gets distributed to the different houses as subboards, and they have their own check meters and then same with the NBN separated on site. So you only have one lot of connections, one lot of fees that is shared between all the owners. So there's, there's a lot of advantages. Um, I have some developers that buy a house, they do up the house and they put in a couple of units in the back and in a couple of recently they've subdivided the front off. And the reason is it's faster for them to do that by the time it takes to get the development approval for the units in the back. They'll do those as strata, but the front house is a subdivision, so they, they end up installing new sewer, stormwater, water, power, just to that lot. That's really interesting. I didn't realise that just because some of them are strata doesn't mean the other ones have to be strata as well no. on the same property. You, you can mix and match. Wow. But, but you're paying for all those extra connections, those new connections. Makes a big difference. So how does that affect the process? Um, is, is there a difference between what you have to do if you're going to strata and if you're going to subdivide? Certainly. So timeframes is a big one and that's another advantage. Um, subdivisions do take longer. It's just, uh, just the amount of work, redoing boundaries, getting new titles, setting up all the background information on the titles, easements, covenants, if there are any, those types of things on that as titles. And that takes a lot of time. And then on top of, I mentioned before those connections, stormer and sewer connections, depending on how they're done, you're dealing with individual regulatory authority and they take ownership of it and they want it done right. And if it's not done wrong, they make, they make you get it right. And it's a big process to do that. So subdivision is more expensive too because of that reason because of the uh, extra connections you've got to put in, but you've got to weigh it up per each job and what you're trying to achieve. So if you do the subdivision and you've got a big chunk of land behind it and all complies with the um, rules, you're dealing with the planning schemes of each council, you still need to meet that, but then you've got a vacant piece of land behind and that has other advantages rather than dealing with, a, with an original house. But that's up to each developer that they want to do that. Mm-hmm. So does it make much difference if there's... A house already on there as opposed to just a block? Oh, certainly, but that comes down to your strategy of what you want to do and, how, you fast want to you, and how fast you want yeah. to do it, the type of development you want to do. Because sometimes you see guys just slap a whole bunch of new units behind an old weatherboard house, but the old weatherboard house, because it's part of the strata, kind of drags down the vibe for the whole development. Sure. When you actually subdivide, well, it's got nothing to do with it. This is... You know, it, it's how it's perceived. It makes sale it as more well. separate, I guess, too, yeah, yeah, if yeah, it yeah. was subdivision. Yep. Okay, let's talk about sizes. 
Size matters when so, it comes to land. Yeah, so because we, we get a lot of inquiries yeah. about subdivision and adding a, a unit on the back. I'm sure... You mean strata? Yes. Stra- Multi-res, putting a unit in the back. Yeah, we get heaps. Yes. We, we do get a lot. So I'm guessing there are minimum requirements for size on yeah. that. So under our planning scheme, they've set a minimum amount of square metrage per dwelling. Now, a couple of other councils have messed with that, but on average around Tasmania, it's 325 square metres minimum per dwelling. Now, you that is the acceptable solution. You can go less than that, but then you've got to go performance-based solution and it could take you a lot longer to get through for planning approval. So most of the time, we just go for the 325. And you still would have to comply with the other regulations such as um, distance from the boundaries, etc. Setbacks. Yeah. yeah. Setbacks, you've got to meet all the parking because it becomes a, what they call a multiple residential or group home, depending where you're from, how they define it within the schemes. So then you meet all the setback. The separations between buildings, there's also building code distances or you've got the co-joined, which isn't popular here in Tassie, where you've got two butted up against each other with a firewall through the middle. Um, it's definitely more popular, duplex, they call it on the mainland. Yeah, I grew up in one of those. Did you really? I did, yeah. Oh, there you go. There you go. They're not very common. No. Yeah. Um, but still, there's nothing wrong with them, don't get me wrong. And good use of space. You've also got to lay out for parking and a lot of the municipalities... Uh, it's one per bedroom. With a, You could get three bedrooms on there, but you still only have to do two parking spots. So it's basically they want you to have two parking spots per house mm-hmm. and one visitor spot. So if you've got two units, four parking spots for the, for the units and you've got one visitor parking spot. That's the rules generally through all the councils in Tassie. Everywhere in Australia I would suggest to be different. So I guess they would bring in additional regulations to be able to accommodate that as well as turning circles and... Dead right. You've yeah. got to prove you've got to turn it on site, be able to leave the site in a forward direction. So potentially the 325 minimum size may not accommodate enough for the parking. Would that be right? It can be due to the shape of the block. And then all this affects your strata as well because when you set your strata up, you've got to define all the parking spots that's outside the building line and where it's allocated to. And then also allocated where the common garden is. So you've got extra garden. It's part of the common area, like the driveways, and someone's got to maintain it, look after it. So is that shared or is that... Well, it depends how it's set up in the yeah, body corporate. okay. Same with exterior lighting. Sometimes it's not connected to each unit. You know, it depends how they set it up. It, it's a lot neater when you've just got two units, it's equally shared, done. So there's quite a few variables within the schemes for that as well. But like we just finished one this week, it was 32 houses. Full strata. Wow, that's a big development. Yeah, yeah. We just did another one last year. It was fifty-one. And that's that was on a steep site too, so really challenging. But it ends up being like a subdivision in how it's built. It's almost like its own little community when you start getting that many. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, and the councils rightly want it to be more like a community. Plenty of green space, plenty of parking access to public spaces, access to roads by footpaths and things like that. You want to make it a community. You don't want to make it a hovel. That's very true. And I've noticed, I think Tassie possibly is catching up on that because of population density. Definitely, Because yes. um, I, I lived on the mainland for a number of years and I noticed that when they did new developments, new subdivisions, etc., they tried to create their own, like, inner communities yes. Yep. Um, because the block sizes were getting smaller. Yes. 
So they would have more parks, you know, common spaces for families because they just didn't have the sizes yes, of their backyards. Correct. Yes, so use the common spaces. And that can work well. And I totally get that. Uh, another thing with your little developers doing there and you want a strata something, when you're doing the development, you can't get the strata done during the process. So virtually it's like at the last 90% complete, you get the surveyors in, do their thing, because they have to pick up all the fences, all the parking, positions of everything, set up the titles, the strata titles, and then it's got to go through a whole process through council approval, complies with the planning permit, complies with um, the requirements of the titles office, someone has to write up a body corporate agreement. So that can delay the, the strata title coming through, but it's still faster than a subdivision title. There's not as many hurdles. So can you not start building until you have that paperwork? Oh, no, no, no. I'm saying you've got to have it built virtually before you can go for the strata. So you've got to build the building oh. and all the fences, all the parking, all the landscaping. So the strata's done at the end? Right at the end. Really? Yes. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, what if it doesn't get approved? What happens? Uh, it, if it's in accordance to the plans that's been approved by the council... Then it should be fine. Should be fine. Okay. But I've got to admit, I've had to come in and where the builder, the developer, or the owner thought, I've got a better idea. I'll put the parking over here. I'll move the sheds, the the, the um, little garden sheds, and I'll move this and do that. And it doesn't match the plans. They don't even put the landscaping in the same. Oh, no. So then what we have to do is reapply again. And that's more money and more time. Time, and time. Yeah. Massive. The funniest ones is where they move the garden sheds and they put it over an easement. You're not allowed to do that. Oh, yeah, dear. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. But stick to the plan. Don't they say? Stick to the plan. Yes, got to stick to the plan. So sometimes people don't realise that. They think it's flexible. It's not. So let's let's have a chat about subdivision now. Because yep. that's a little bit different kettle of fish. It is. And as I said, it's a lot more work getting all new connections. That, you know, that's a lot of work. And it's expensive. Getting new stormwater, sewer connections, water connections. You've got to put in new crossovers. That's one thing I didn't mention before. So you've got to put a new driver, you've got to put a new crossover that meets the local government standards. Yeah, that makes sense. It does, doesn't it? But all these things add up in cost. Yeah. Well, that's well, that's access to the property, isn't it? Very much so. Subdivisions are a lot cleaner. This is my piece of land. Here's my boundaries. This is mine. When you're doing strata, you're using common area. And in subdivision, that could be called a right-of-way, but everyone uses it. But you actually don't own it. It's part of everyone's. Whereas sub, with a subdivision, this is my piece of land, and if there's no right-of-ways on it, yeah. That makes it a little bit more clean-cut, I guess. It, it is more clean-cut. Yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. There's no common property, as we were saying, like, or a body corporate. You don't have to answer to anyone. It's yours. Yes, everything's separate. And it can be done as vacant land. That's another thing I've got to point out. In Tasmania and the Strata Act, it's very hard to strata just a vacant piece of land. Is it? And it, and it's under the interpretation of the Strata Act and every council has slightly different views on it. What a surprise. You've got the same document but you have a different a different uh, interpretation. It's a bit like plan, we've got a statewide planning scheme. 28 councils and then you've got 28 different opinions. That would make it challenging, I'm sure, at oh, times. Oh, it drives us mental. It really does. You know, but that's no different with the Strata Act too, and I feel for surveyors. Oh, by the way, you need your land surveyors, registered land surveyors for all this as well. 
to be able to strata and subdivide? You can apply for a strata uh, without a to do all the applications and stuff, uh, but I would always recommend use a registered land surveyor. So let's um, let's have a chat about other things that can affect subdivision. Oh yes. So what about things like the zoning? You yes. know what? What if you've got um, an agricultural piece of land yep. as Zoned opposed to rural, like we've discussed previously. Exactly, or you know, if it's in a city, or um, well, that's chalk and cheese. What you're talking about? There. Exactly, I realise that, but there, I'm sure there would be differences in your ability to be able to subdivide. Yeah, every planning scheme kind of dictates um, the restrictions on the subdivision, and each zone has their in Tasmania anyway, has a provision under the subdivision. Rural would have minimum lot sizes. They all have minimum lot sizes um, and a, a bunch of other restrictions like industrial ones, light industrial ones or general industrial. They might have a, a circle has to fit inside there so they can turn a... Tr- they don't know they can turn a, a truck in there, mm-hmm. a large truck. Um, other ones have uh, so, uh, building envelopes. So you're not allowed to build outside the building envelope under that zoning for that subdivision or you've got to prove that you can put a, let's say, a house that faces a certain direction to collect sun. It depends how the planning schemes are written and that makes it hard for surveyors as well. So what do people that would like to subdivide need to do to be able to check these things? Do they need to go straight to a building designer or...? No, I would recommend to go to a registered land surveyor plus potentially a planner as well. So what's interesting, what's happening in in the industry at the moment, quite a number of registered land surveying businesses have their own planners in-house because it's getting more complicated. And they're the best guys to go and talk to. They'll be able to do assessments for you. Um, Like we use uh, one regularly and they provide assessments for our clients. Brilliant little thing. Pay a few, not a huge amount of money and they'll do a full report and assessment for you. So that would be the first step that they would need to take. Yeah, so not not us, not building designers. Go talk to your registered land surveyor. And to be fair, with everything to do with strata, titles, all that type of thing, your registered land surveyor, they're the gurus. They're also very busy. I reckon. They're pretty popular at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) But they're great. They know this stuff inside out and give you good advice because that's what they specialise in. And that would be something that they uh, clients could possibly do if they haven't purchased a, a block of land yet. If or they're looking at doing that type of stuff, yeah. definitely. Um, we, we get uh, our surveyors in pretty early on, on certain projects. If we're not sure, we engage them on behalf of our clients to do reports. We do that too. But you can go to them direct to give you advice on these things for then to make a decision what's the best way to go forward. Because sometimes you look at... Development says, oh, subdivision, oh, maybe strata work or subdivision. They can actually give you definitive advice on that and potential timing of it, depending on what your strategy and what you need to do and what you need to achieve. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the, the building, the land surveyors are your friend. So that's your first point of contact. I believe so. Yep. And I do it for my customers. Like, we'll go talk to them or we'll go, hey, Call them up, can you talk to this person to help them out? Makes it very clear. 
who does what in our industry in this part of it. So when they need something designed on there, and we, we worked quite a number of surveyors to do developments for customers, and we'll work with the land surveyor and the civil engineer and the hydraulic engineer, you know, all these guys to be able to bring a package together, like the one I was talking about that we had to finish off today. Same thing. We all work together and it works really well. When the whole team works together, it's, it, it's brilliant. It works really well and it's a team, isn't it? Team effort. It is. It is. It's not an us and them thing. The civil engineers work with the surveyors. Surveyor and land surveyor uh, works with the designer or architect who you would choose to use. So it's really important to do your research and they are the first person you really want to go talk to when it comes to this type of stuff. But sometimes you don't know what you can fit on there, so they come to us first to see what we can fit on there. Well, that's a really good point. Yeah. Is there a limit as to the process being any different if you have a very high volume of stratas or subdivisions on a property? Well, subdivisions, the lot's are a lot larger. Subdivision, the, the limit of square meterage, frontage and a whole bunch of other stuff is a lot more limited to, than strata. So strata gives you a lot more flexibility, but mm-hmm. it has other disadvantages. Could you just imagine 50-odd houses on there and you've got to build a body corporate? It would make it fairly complex, I imagine. You for know what that even many... gets more complex? This is the one a lot of people don't realise once you've got big developments. Where all the wheelie bins fit on the road? Oh, that's a really good point. That's a lot of wheelie bins. That is on a lot Garbo of wheelie Day. bins. Yeah, it's a lot of letterboxes even. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. So think about it. So that's an interesting one. We're finding now that you can't have all your garbos out on the main street because they physically won't fit. So the truck can't actually pick them up. So then it becomes part of your body corporate. We get a private garbo truck to come in, and that's more cost. It costs a bit more, yes. Gee, it's a heck of a lot easier to go out, you know, 10 metres outside your place and put it out the front of your house in a strata. I reckon. So bigger stratas are like subdivisions anyway. I said that before. So the trucks will come round and they go in there, but it's privately done. So that is a solution. And it's not a bad solution. You don't have to walk a long way to drop your bin off or get one of those cool things to hit your bin on the back of the car. Yeah, they're cool. They're cool, but you, how do you tie the lid down? Yeah, and I can imagine that could, yeah, could be Especially if you had a party, horrible. you've got the recycling, a lot of stubbies in there. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit yuck. It gets a bit embarrassing, especially going down the hill. Tin cans clanging oh, down the yeah, driveway. I'd be worried about the glass. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the solution on a lot of the uh, biggest stratas is getting private garbo collection. Oh, I never thought of that. No, you don't, but you know it gets really interesting then the, then the roadway has to be designed to suit these big trucks. That's a good point because they've got to be able to get in there. Get in, get out, turn, and whatever you do, you don't want them reversing. Oh, why? Haven't you heard trucks with the reversing beepers? Oh, of course I've heard that. that I you mean, you're it, miles away, don't it you? It depends what time of the day they come. I know our garbage man comes at... Six o'clock in the morning. Yeah, so imagine that, 10 metres away from your house. Yeah, that wouldn't be very no, nice. it's great. So you design it so they don't have to reverse. That's a really good point. So they only go one way. There you go. All those little things that you probably would never think of. Well, it's convenience where you put your bins. And it's it's functionality. People don't often think of all of those little it's details. function, nice to use. But even, you know, it's funny about units. Where do you place the bins sometimes? It doesn't make, that sounds like a really dumb thing to say, 
But if you don't put, allow for a good place to put your bins, like if you've got a normal subdivision, you've got plenty of room and stuff with unit developments a lot tighter, mm-hmm. we have to show the council where they sit and you've got to use a bit of common sense with that. Really? So we have to put them on our plans? Yeah. Wow. Including a lockable shed, where the clotheslines are, where all the footpaths are, where all the gates are, fences, retaining walls and plants. In some cases, they made it, make us put every species and count how many plants we're putting in there. They count how many plants? No, we have to tell them. Wow. And then they check it. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, it's just so the developer doesn't skimp. Because when you do stratas and multi-res, the, the expectation, it is finished, done, dusted, and looks amazing. So it really does have to be a finished project. Very much so. Yeah, you know, yeah. none of this, you know, just Half to drive... Half-baked, just chucking a few shrubberies in and yep. a few potostrums and a few lavenders and stuff. No, it's got to look really sharp. And even all the driveways, everything has to work. The driveways have to work well. Where the strictness on subdivision, you have your piece of land... Well, you have to do it for yourself, but you don't have to finish your landscaping. You don't have to finish all the nice bits around the outside of the house. Well, how many custom homes have we designed and, you know, landscaping might not be finished for a year or two later? Or three. Or three even. Or four. Yeah. Because circumstances have run out of money or whatever it may be. And and you can't judge people for that. It's just how circumstance. But when you do a unit, it has to be finished, done, beautiful. So... That has to be, you know, put in the provisions yeah, for your costs well. and everything yes. for exactly. anyone you looking budgets, to do this. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and it's a good way of doing it because it, it's finished. That's the beauty of it. It's finished. And I guess it's important for those people that are looking to do anything like this that they make sure that they have contracted builders but to be able to finish But sometimes the builders only do the house and the driveway, not the rest of the landscaping. Yeah, well, I guess they've got to check what their inclusions are. Oh, it goes back to that discussion we it had does. previously. What's included? What's included, exactly. You know, and, and most good builders that do specialise in that, they know exactly what they have to do and they do it really well. They've got the fencing guys, they've got the shed guys, the clothesline guys, they even put the blinds in for you. Ready to move in. Ready to move in. Done. Or you move in or you're getting someone you're renting it to. Either or. So just to wrap up, what are the take-home points for anyone looking to undertake a strata or a subdivision project? Do your research. Okay, that word comes up a lot with every our takeaways, up, isn't it? Every week it I does, think it comes it? up. Do your research. But talk to your registered land surveyor. They, they are the guys that can give you really good advice on this. And when you're looking at the building, that's when you come and talk to us. Or do the building and then talk to the land surveyor. That's fine. Either way. Talk to the people in the know. We're one of them, so lots of land surveyors, lots of architects, lots of people are in the know. And you've you got to pay for some of this advice. And it's only right because it's there. They've learnt this over many, many years. And, and they'll give you the right advice. We might wrap it up there, guys. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Until next time, you're listening to the Building Design Primetime Podcast. See you, everyone. listening to the Building Design Prime Time podcast. 